WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Kane. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750 WSB. And to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world, our message to them is the same as my grandfather's. Them that's going, get on the wagon. Them that ain't, get out of the way. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. Welcome, Eric Erickson here. Filling in for Herman Cain today, the phone number 877-310-2100. It's the third hour of the show, and that means Jamie Dupree is joining me. Breaking news. Breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hey there, Eric. How are you? Excellent, excellent. The Senate has just started a vote, a key procedural vote on the trade initiative of the president. This is on that so-called fast-track legislation. If the Senate can muster 60 votes here in the next uh, few minutes, then uh, this plan will be on its way soon to the president's desk. What we've been told this morning is that even with a switch by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who is going to go from voting yes on fast track to voting no, voting against it. It seems like that there might just be enough votes to get to 60 today, a combination of Republicans and Democrats, in order to push this ahead over this parliamentary hurdle, and then we would have final approval tomorrow. So that's the big drama right now, another very close vote on the president's trade initiative. Yeah, it's definitely going to be close from what I hear. And, and I, my understanding this morning was McConnell's office was scrambling a little bit just to make sure they've got the Democratic votes lined up to, to get it done. Yeah, they're going to need at least a dozen of the 14 who voted for it the last time. And from the intel that we got just off the uh, Senate floor in the last half hour is they feel like they will have those votes sewn up. But, of course, you never know until they actually take the vote. Uh, the last time it was a 62 to 38 margin, so they can only afford to lose two people. And <laughs> one of them is Ted Cruz, and yep. one of them might be a Democrat. So that's where we stand on that right now. Obviously, if they cannot get to 60, it would be a big setback for the president. But it just, I don't know, there seems to be a, a very quiet sense that they have the votes. But like I said, we wait to the, until everything is counted. Yeah, my guess is they probably do um, without Cruz. It's just, it was an interesting reversal today. Some people reading it as principled, many people reading it as in response to the polls. Uh, well, um, look, there's obviously, uh, and you well know this, there's a lot of, uh, of people within the Republican Party who don't like this whole idea. But then again, you look at the vote in the House of Representatives last week, I think on one of the key votes, there were 190 Republicans voting for this, and there were 50 voting against it. So, yeah, that's a chunk of the GOP, but not even a majority in the House of Representatives. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I still think that in the end, it does sort of turn everything upside down. You have uh, mostly Republicans standing with the president and mostly Democrats voting against him, <laughs> not the usual kind of uh, alignment that you would expect here. But when you go back and look historically at these votes on trade, that's what you do find. Uh, the Democrats uh, pretty much argue and labor argues that these free trade agreements will end up costing American jobs. 
jobs in the long run, while Republicans argue they will create more opportunities for exports, more job creation, etc. So, uh, again, it may not be popular with sort of the Tea Party wing of the Republican Party, but with the Chamber of Commerce and a lot of others, and especially the agricultural community. I mean, I, I think that the ag community is sort of overlooked in a lot of ways, Eric. I mean, for example, the, the Cuba trade issue is, is one where I would uh, note it. Uh, for years, the Republican Party has been virulently anti-Fidel Castro and anti-trade with Cuba. But there's been one distinct segment of the Republican Party that has not agreed with that, and that is the ag community. They want places to sell their beef, to sell their wheat, to sell more. And this is, I think, a perfect example of it, especially when you look at the U.S.-Asian kind of trade deal. For example, uh, beef producers in the U.S. look at Japan and say, if they can finally reduce the tariffs and the barriers to trade, they can get at a market, which for the most part, they've had a hard time getting into. You know, this raises kind of a a segue of an issue for me, and that is the the Mark Meadows situation. I had him on my own show on WSB last night to to talk to him and thank him for having stood up to the House in in face of punishment. And that's one of the – his treatment is one of the issues that Ted Cruz had changed his mind on TPA. And you've got Jim Jordan meeting with conservatives today in the House of Representatives to see what they can do to disrupt the Speaker's agenda as a result. You know, this it's funny because – it's this whole issue is looked at in such a different way outside sort of the outside of DC and inside here i would say for for the people who have been around here for a while there is the sense that as you look at some of these republicans who are fighting speaker boehner and fighting him openly what did you expect you you tried to kill the king what did did you think he's just going to sit there and not do anything and i think probably what happened was that the speaker's people gave some of these guys a second chance and then when uh, it's not a big deal to vote against a bill that the leadership wants you to vote for but it's a big deal to vote uh, against the leadership on a procedural matter right. i will never forget the summer of 1981 it would have been june of 1981 and I was a page in the House of Representatives at the time. There were, I think, 26 or 28 Democrats, I can't remember the exact number, but around that, just over two dozen, who voted on a procedural matter against Speaker Tip O'Neill, against the Democratic Party, and aligned with the Republicans and President Reagan on his tax and budget plans. And I'll never forget the scene of a senior staffer on the budget committee in the House verbally dressing down then uh, sort of backbencher Democratic Congressman Phil Graham of Texas, who later became a Republican and won election to the Senate for many years. But it was a reminder back then, I remember the Democrats walking around with a list of those names of the people who had deserted the Speaker on that procedural vote, a, a list of those names for weeks in their pocket to remind them of who they were and to punish them in any opportunity. And I know for a lot of people who, are, who don't work in the Congress and think, well, you know, members should be free to do whatever they want. I agree with that. The problem is if you want the perks of being in the majority, like a subcommittee chairmanship or on the leadership team or something like that, you're going to have to toe the line. And, you know, we'll find out whether this was a ham-handed move by the Republican leadership team or really just the start of a lot of other retribution, in a sense. Yeah, and, and so I'm, as we're talking, I've just gotten an email from a, a particular member of Congress who's disgruntled and uh, saying that, that they now suddenly, having had the hesitation going into this, uh, that now they all seem to be a little more emboldened to start voting against more rules. 
Well, and that's fine, but then then what you do is then you align yourself with Nancy Pelosi, and you've suddenly become an arm of the Democratic Party. Yes, except I, I think that, as you said, this plays completely differently among the base these days. Um, well, the only so thing I would say, though, is that, that, that I, I'm not sure I would call it the base, because if it's the base, then they would have had a majority against the, the, the trade fast-track bill. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a distinct chunk of the Republican Party, but to say it's the base, I'm not so sure about that. When you're outnumbered 190 to 50 on a vote, uh, I'm not sure that's the base. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Um, but they are playing to their districts sure well. they are, the as they should. As yeah. they should. But, I, again, I will circle back, because I've gotten a lot of nasty emails on it. <laughs> I can but imagine. I will circle back again and say... If you are going to try to kill the king, in this case, that would be John Boehner, the speaker. If you're going to try to knock him out, then you better be ready for what comes back at you. There's a reason they call the show Hardball. Right. There's a reason that politics is a blood sport. You may not like that aspect of it, but you, I think one thing that I've been surprised about, Eric, is since the, asc- uh, the ascension of the Tea Party in 2010 is I've heard this in a number of different ways, that it's almost like it's okay for the Tea Party to go after the speaker speaker and his people and the establishment. But it's not cool right. for the establishment to go after them. And I guess I just sort of shrug my shoulders and smile and say, well, what did you expect? Yeah, exactly. As they say, politics ain't beanbagged. No, it's not. And, and look, if Mark Meadows and these other guys get so disaffected that they then create their own momentum and knock Boehner out, we can stand back later and say, you know what? Uh, you know, Boehner overplayed his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Jason Chaffetz did yeah. this. Because, you know, Chaffetz is very well regarded, obviously, by a lot of people in the Republican Party. And he's done a very good job of building up his, his conservative credentials. Yeah, he's not some rhino or anything like that. And Well, he wasn't. <laughs> well, not yet, exactly. But, you know, that's the thing I would love behind the scenes. We haven't really gotten the story. What forced him, what pushed him to pull the trigger on that? What was, you know, did they put the word out to people that, hey, you know, here's a list or something? Because I really think people like Mark Meadows, they got a second chance. They voted against Boehner for speaker mm-hmm. they were still given some prizes you know subcommittee chairmanships bots on the leadership team but again voting against rules and procedural matters against your leadership that can bring about retribution i've seen it in the past yep. and it doesn't surprise me we're seeing it now all right I, before you get out of here i've got to ask you about the the absolutely esoteric issue that i'm fascinated by and, and that is the the raisin regulatory <laughs> committees the, the supreme court having ruled that no in fact the government cannot come in in the dark of night and take your raisins and give them away without paying you um but it, yet the government has 30 different bureaucracies dedicated to doing just that and i I bet they're not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, um, my career began up here as a an agricultural reporter, and uh, so there are so many different uh, uh, different marketing boards and things like that that are involved. That if you're not in the ag community, you would really shake your head to think how much of a managed economic effort this is by the government. And uh, that that ruling of the U.S. Supreme Court this week certainly said to me, as I read it, that the raisin board and by extension the pork board and all these others that get in to these production issues and limiting production that there could be an issue there. I mean, that's basically what a lot of the, the the payments to farmers are based on. We tell you not to produce, and you get paid money not to produce a crop. So I don't know whether this has a, a further impact, but you're absolutely right. I uh, What I got a release the other day about some board, some group 
that charges people for publications that are made by the government. This is a government agency. I think it's called NTIS. <laughs> they, they charge you for publications, which you can Google and download for free off the Internet. Now, some people want to do away with that. I think that's sort of an interesting thing, that you could actually milk people for even more money by getting them to buy things that otherwise they could find for free on the Internet. <laughs> right. It actually might be seen as a fantastic idea. But, yeah, I would say the raisin thing... Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, the, 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 the thing I would say about agricultural interests is there are some very powerful groups on those things. And yes. trying to get change in that is like trying to get change in almost any part of, uh, other part of the federal budget. It's not easy. Now, speaking of the Supreme Court, I, my understanding is they've decided they're going to release opinions on Thursday, Thursday and Friday. Exactly. I would, look, I don't know anything, but just my gut from how these things usually go, we got seven decisions left. I would think that you clear the underbrush and get, you know, there's still some important things in there, but you don't do same-sex marriage or the Obama health law challenge on the subsidies until next week. The well, other it, reason you wait is the Congress will be gone next week. Yeah, now, but they rarely issue decisions on Fridays, though, isn't that No, right? they would have to. They could say, I mean, they could come in on Thursday and say they could do four different things, four different decisions, and say we'll be back Friday. But here's the deal. Friday, there is a, I think there's a conference on Friday. And so then they would release the orders from that on Monday. Yeah, so okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling week. up the, the Reuters report um, that the court has scheduled sessions on Friday and on Monday to issue decisions both days. Yeah, so I'm sort of thinking that yeah. we get done uh, by next Monday. Yes, yeah, so they all they want to get out of town. All the Supreme Court justices, they get those gigs during the summer in Italy to go teach. And a number of judicial conferences. But I'll save those stories for later this summer when we can talk about your tax dollars. <laughs> I, I want to be on vacation next week when these decisions come out because I already don't want to talk about my them. friend you need to work on monday and you might have to work on tuesday <laughs> all right jamie dupree it's always great talking to you Good see you buddy you. see ya. all right jamie dupree everybody we will be back big government and bad policy the solutions are here here on the herman cain radio show every day 877-310-2100 the phone lines are open and when we come back lions lions and tigers and bears oh my they may all be going extinct for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.